Hello, and welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Hi, I, I greet you and all of your sister churches from the Presbytery. If you are in this church, you may or may not know that Presbyterians do things together. And there are, we have a thing called presbytery, which comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elders, gathering of elders. But Presbyterians have taken it to mean a college of churches as well. Our particular college of churches is called the Blue Water Presbytery, and it extends from Marin County to Carmel as our southernmost church, and then it extends over into the East Bay Area. There are 21 churches and I am the vice moderator of the Blue Water Presbytery. So I come and I greet you. I tell you a little bit, I wanna be not only sharing the gospel, but being the gospel this morning, being good news. We have some good news to share. One of the things that's happening in our Presbytery, I wanna just take a couple of minutes to give you a little update. One of the things that's happening that's really great is our Milpitas Church, about 15 years ago, was a church in decline They were struggling a little bit and they weren't sure what to do. The church and the elders and the pastor were praying that God would give them a new vision, a new direction. They were a church of five or 600. So it was a strong church, but they were declining and the community was changing. Well, one day after about seven months, they'd been praying every month, the elder board, after about seven months, two retired teachers walked into the pastor's office with a simple request. Uh, we would like for the church to help us by giving us two classrooms, two nights a week, to do English as a second language. It was transformational for that church. So I don't know if you want to guess, how many think that they now have more than two classes? Actually, they have 38 classes with 400 people learning English each week at their church. They have gone from about 550 in average worship attendance to about 1,200, and they are now a minority-majority church. About 60% of the church is Asian. God is using that church to transform that community, so much so that they have found favor with the city officials. And the city, if you are wanting to learn English as a second language, and you go to the city and say, I want to take English as a second language, Where do you have classes? They say, we don't. Nobody does it as well as the Presbyterian Church go there. So they get dozens of referrals every six months from the city. Another church that's having wonderful things happen is that we're having a a situation in Santa Cruz 15 years ago. God put it on the heart of a young pastor from actually a Baptist church, Dan Kimball, who is a pretty scholarly, amazing guy. Dan's written a couple of books. It's Dr. Kimball now. He uh, went over to First, Pre- uh, First Presbyterian Church, Santa Cruz, and a friend of mine was the pastor there. They decided to join forces and have a vision for young people. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the average Presbyterian Church has less than 15 college students, even big ones. Even Menlo, I think, has 100. There are four to 600 university students involved at that church now called Vintage Faith every week. God is good. I was uh, a leader in the old San Jose Presbytery. We had 43 churches. In the 30 years that I was in the San... This thing keeps riding up, forgive me. 
In the, in the 30 years I was in the San Jose Presbytery, we planted not one church. The Compass Church, the Salinas First Church, has decided and taken initiative, and the first church planted in the old Presbytery in almost 40 years is now happening in Marina. They've started a planted church there this year. God is good, and he's doing some great things among us. The old San Jose Presbytery was 43 churches with 10,000 members. We now have 21 churches in the Blue Water Presbytery with 15,000 members. God is moving among us. God is good. And I'm so glad to be here with you. My name is Rick Pennington. I uh, come to you from a varied background. I was uh, long other things before I was Presbyterian. I became a Christian through a ministry called InterVarsity. I had the privilege of joining a group that was 15 students. God saw fit to do 100 conversions a year at my school, and we had 500 students when I graduated. Chico was the number one party school in the country in 1969. In 1972, 50 men and women went from the InterVarsity group at Chico Party School to seminary. There was a young man who went and prayed every day on the steps of Shasta Hall that God would make a difference and bring the gospel to that hall. 22 fellows, including myself, moved into second floor. I was not a believer. 22 fellows moved into second floor of that hall, and they became the leaders of the university group for the next six years. I became a Christian that next year, and 19 of those 22 that moved into second floor, 50 years later, are still missionaries and pastors. God is great, and he does great things. You have a great church. I have had the privilege of getting to know as a leader of the Presbytery this year uh, and last year. I've had the privilege of working with several people. Um, Dorothy's unbelievable. Your pastor, Rick, has more energy. You know, they're going to start using Rick in those commercials for the Energizer Bunny. It's going to be Rick. It's not going to be the bunny anymore. And Abby... I don't know where you got her, but don't let her go. Chain her to this place. I got a, I got a text message last night at 9.30 asking if there was any, any slides, any uh, messages, anything I needed from her. I'm like, you know, I've been preaching. I don't think I've ever had that before. And I've only been preaching 45 years, but it was new to me. She is incredible. This morning, our message is one of three of a series that starts with the idea of thankfulness. So I'd ask us if we could pray for a moment and ask the Lord to be with us. Lord, be with our time and help us to learn together, to listen together. And Lord, may you use uh, what I say and even what I don't say to stir hearts that we may be a thankful people and give you the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Edward Spencer was a ministerial student some time ago at the southern end of Lake Michigan in Evanston, Illinois. He was part of a volunteer life-saving squad. He was a volunteer uh, lifeguard in the summer, and he worked with a rescue team for stranded and distressed shipping in Lake Michigan. One stormy winter evening, he got the call, and he and several of his crew went out, and they found a ship that had floundered and was sinking um, and gone aground on Lake Michigan. Um, he worked hours and tirelessly and was able to drag 17 people from what is almost certain death and save their lives. One of the results, though, was he got a serious upper respiratory infection, and he was sick for months. And he probably 
died an early death, partly because of that. And he, he was able to love and care and continue and did not get bitter. But one of the things that happened was at his funeral, several years later, his best friend was doing the eulogy and shared the fact that one sadness to Edward was that of those 17 people's lives that he had saved, no one thanked him. Not one. We don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that woman who has God do wonderful things in our lives, who has the church do wonderful things in our lives and not be thankful. Maybe the worst thing, it's interesting in Scripture that uh, many things are discouraged in community, but it's interesting both in the life of Moses and in the early book of Acts in the sixth chapter, grumbling and murmuring and complaining was one of the chief sins. Let us not be those people. I, um, one of the things I've learned is interesting as I've studied Scripture, uh, as I've preached over the years, as I've done various things. Oh, I guess I should take a moment to say something else. Um, my bride is with me here. We celebrated 45 years of marriage last August. And uh, we wanted children desperately. We were not blessed with that. So we adopted two girls that are now 32 and 30. And we have four grandchildren. And it's really nice to, have, to be the grandparent of the smartest, brightest, prettiest children that live. <laughs> and I speak as a grandparent totally objectively, of course. Um, so I am thankful for them, and I am thankful for all the blessings in my life. And I come this morning to bring you a message about there are alternatives to being thankful, but they're not good ones. I, one of the things I've noticed is interesting is I've noticed that Scripture often teaches in triads. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. St. Paul, when he writes, often talks about faith, hope, and love. I would suggest to you there's another triad, and that triad is repentance, forgiveness, and thankfulness. Repentance, forgiveness, and thankfulness. For every positive attribute, there's often a negative attribute. Um, for repentance... I would say that the negative, the thing that is destructive is called self-deception. 1 John 1.9 says, if uh, I say that I have no sin, then the truth is not in me. But if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me all my sins. Self-deception is the alternative to experiencing repentance. Metanao, the Greek word means to turn around and go a new way. We get a chance in Jesus Christ to turn around and go a new way. That's for another Sunday. Maybe if I don't cause too many of you to go to sleep, you'll have me back. The second was forgiveness. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. And forgiveness, not being forgiven and be forgiving is like carrying around a sack of rocks. I, um, I had a guy that I was little. When I started high school, I was little. I was 5'1", and I wrestled 105s my freshman year. Now, my dad always said that uh, they didn't have a refrigerator. They had a cooling box with a revolving door. Um, uh, when I was a junior, in the spring of my junior year, I went out for football because coach asked me to. I'd gone from 5'1 and 105. Now I was 6'1 and 215. And I was able to bench press 300 pounds. You'd never believe it now, I know. It all sank. <laughs> but the, it's interesting, this fella... Bill bullied me a bit in high school, 
And then I thought, wow, I'm getting away from it. I went off to Chico, went to school, and I became a believer. But I, you know, it's funny, when I would think about high school, one of the things I would think is, I was still mad about the way I was treated. Then guess who should show up? That same fellow showed up at Chico and became a leader of the university group. God, you're not doing it under my plan. And it's funny because I didn't put down that sack of rocks for years. Not being forgiving, the alternative to that is vengeful. You sit around and you contemplate bad things that you just hope happens to them. You know, maybe a stray airplane will fall out of the sky and get them something. The third thing is thankfulness. And thankfulness is really interesting. It's our topic of the day. It's the topic of your three weeks, indeed. And the, the alternative to thankfulness is entitlement. Entitlement. Those who are not thankful believe that they deserve the good things because, you know, you know, it just can't, I can't help it. I was the smartest and I was real pretty and I deserve what happens to me. I was joking. <laughs> I have a little clip that I'd like to show you if, if you have it. I would like you to cue it. Maybe you've seen this public service announcement. Do we have that? Notice how many things today kids can do without actually moving? A whole lot of things their parents used to do the hard way. So many kids' activities today seem to leave out the activity part, which makes exercise even more important for children. In fact, new research tells us the best time to enhance bone development is during childhood and adolescence. And just getting children to walk an extra 35 minutes a day could spare them the pain of thinning bones later in life. Healthy bones come from healthy habits. Encourage your kids to get up, get out, and get moving. Hello. Hey, Grandma, how about another great soda? Public service message on building strong bones for kids from the Pediatric Orthopedic Society of North America and the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. I hope you got that they're in the same house and he's calling grandma in another room. <laughs> Grandma's on a walker. And I really think that from a Christian point of view, it's not really so much about exercise as entitlement. I don't want to be that guy. And spiritually, I think sometimes we're like that in the church, is we tend to call out to God. God is, our, our understanding of the Christian faith is a little bit like a celestial candy bar machine. We put in our prayer, we pull the lever, and God gives us the blessing. And by the way, if he doesn't do it immediately, we're ticked. We don't want to be that guy or that gal. Some of you are women here, I recognize that. So I look at this and I say, what can we do? I think we even have an example. Our text today is from uh, Luke 17, 11 through 19. Your pew Bibles, that's page 876. 876, if you want to take it. Reading now, I'm reading from Luke. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then he entered a certain village. There he met 10 men who were lepers, who were stood afar off. And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at Jesus' feet. 
giving Jesus thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 who were cleansed? But where are they? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I titled the sermon, uh, Thankfulness, 90% Failure Rate. It comes from this passage. It's so easy in America to want to say, I need, I deserve. These folks had an encounter with Jesus that was transformational. And yet nine of them couldn't even take the time to go back and say thank you. Please understand, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 13, it says that what was supposed to happen is that, that a man or a woman who was a leper was supposed to stay out of the village. They couldn't be with their family. They couldn't be in a town. They had to sleep out in the elements. They had to have their head uncovered so their sores would show. And they had to yell out, anybody who was within distance, oh, like the back of the church, yell out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Now, young ladies, here's some pretty young ladies up front. Being a teenager is amazing. And I'm kind of trying to imagine what it'd be like for you to stand at the corner of your high school and yell that as people went by. I'm unclean. That would really be popular and get you lots of dates, right? <laughs> I don't even want to know what, they would be, what the crowd would be thinking. You have a situation here where leprosy was a horrible disease. It was the scourge of the first century, and it's particularly susceptible in dry climate. It's often passed by aspiration from mucus, but it can be passed from open sores, but it's kind of hard to get. But what it does do is you lose its primary effect is actually to kill nerves, and so that you lose the feeling in your fingers and your toes and your extremities and eventually stuff gets infected and literally falls off. Pretty disgusting. Leprosy was a real scourge, but it not only destroyed the physical body, it destroyed the sense of self-worth, a sense of being a person. You lost your family, you lost your parents, possibly if you are married, your wife and your children. You lost everything to this disease. So, this disease that was so horrible, they cry out for mercy. It's interesting. They cry out to Jesus and they ask for mercy, not healing. And yet Jesus fully knows what they want. They want to be healed. And Jesus does something interesting too, is Jesus follows the law. He says in Leviticus, if you get over your leprosy somehow, what you do is you go and you get examined by the priest who has a specialty in identifying such things, you go and you get examined and then you're declared clean. And here's the important part. You could go back to your family, go back to your village, go back to your job and return to your life. That was the gift. Not so much of just the healing, but the restoration of their whole life happened for these 10. And the nine saw fit not to return. Pastor Chris Jordan, in writing about this passage, he notes four characteristics of the one leper who returns. In the notes, you may... Do you, did you guys get notes or is that just the first session? Okay. In the notes, I left some blanks and here's the key words. The first thing is the leper recognizes, recognizes 
that it's healing and needs a response. So he goes, he's healed, he goes to the leper, he's declared clean, which means he, he's been restored to society. He recognizes. The second thing is he returns to the source of his healing. He returns to Jesus. The third thing that he does is he falls at Jesus' feet in worship. He worships Jesus. He understands. He praises God. And what has been experienced is nothing less than an intervention, an act of God. And finally, finally, he gives Jesus thanks. He is thankful for what has happened. And Jesus, he asks, where are the nine? Sometimes I think in the church, Jesus would ask us, where are the nine? Are we a people that receive the blessings of God, the mercy of God, the joy of God, and yet we're not very thankful? Sometimes I'm one of those guys. It's funny, when I, I get into a pity party, I think something's going on. I'm, I'm, I've lost 20 pounds, but I need to lose another 20 and nothing's happened in the last three weeks. You know, trying to lose weight when you're 67, it's, not, it's never easy, but it's even harder now. I don't have my pretty shape from my 20s. I'm still carrying it around. And sometimes I can get to be, you know, a little bit critical. God, you're not doing things on my timetable. Being thankful means we are thankful for what he's already done. And we are expecting for what he will do. But maybe most important of all is we see that thankfulness is a tool in our discipleship. I, uh, I share this story from my university chaplain days. I didn't share it at the first service, but I thought maybe more appropriate here is I used to travel for InterVarsity and I would go on campus and I would meet with students. I'd have half hour, 45 minute appointments and I had met with this young woman named Nancy a couple of times before. I had traveled to the University of Nevada, Reno on the Gambler Special. What a deal. Is, uh, it was $10. And when I arrived at the casino, I'd get, a, I'd get a roll of nickels. I'd get two breakfast coupons. And uh, so the whole trip cost me about $6. Now, I didn't always like the breakfast, but that's another story. I went on campus, oh, about my second year going to Reno. And I walked in, I had appointments all morning, and um, this, this woman leader brought this young woman, who's a freshman, in, and she just was crying hysterically. And she knew me a little bit, and she had had a little bit of a, of a young life background, and she believed in God, but she had gone the way of university. She had become a party girl, she was joining a sorority, she was going to games, she was very pretty, and got a lot of attention, and the junior boy that she was dating attacked her. And then he told her, literally, this is the words I asked three times. He said, now you belong to me. You're my property. Nobody else will want you. So as she cried, I realized that this called for more than just a few comments. So I said, look, can you pray with me? and ask God to do some healing with you and make a difference with you. And she prayed and she asked the Lord her, she renewed her commitment to Christ. And then I said, go pack a bag and go spend some time with the most wonderful woman in the world, my wife. And I took her home from Reno for four days. 
and she stayed with us, and my wife pampered her, and we loved on her, and we kept telling her it's, she was worth something. She believed she was worth nothing. And she said over and over again, no guy will ever want me. I'm spoiled goods. And I just kept telling her, Nancy, God doesn't make no junk. He loved you. He's saving you. He's transforming you. And if it's his will, he'll provide the guy that you need. Well, long story short, is uh, Nancy returned to Reno. She started going to church. She got into a prayer group. And about eight months later, this young man showed up in her life that just treated her like a treasure. They married. She helped him get through medical school. They had five children. And now Nancy's a grandma. And she thanks every day for what God has done in her life, for the husband he gave her, the children she has, and she is a woman leader in Chico, California. Her thankfulness, she has told her story many times. And what she's been able to do is love on people who think they're worth nothing. And she's been able to see transformation in her own life and the lives of many that she knows. Now, your story probably is not nearly as dramatic as Nancy's. But I have to tell you, the opportunities are great. Because one of the things that you have the opportunity to do is as you are thankful to Jesus Christ and you begin to express thanks, you transform lives. Theirs and yours. There was a woman at our church, oh, years ago, and I was actually preparing a sermon on thankfulness. And I was trying to be intentional. I can be as critical as anybody, but I was trying to be intentional about being thankful. And so I was looking. I was actually looking for things to thank people for. And there was a woman that was up front in our church, and she was doing the flowers. I think somebody told me she'd been doing it seven, eight, nine years. And I went up and I said, thank you for bringing those flowers for fixing them up front, for making things beautiful, for making a difference. She got a tear in the corner of her eye and she said, well, thank you, pastor. Nobody's ever thanked me before. Let's not be those people. Let's not be those nine. When you are thankful, if you're looking to be thankful, if you're looking, you know, if you think about Dorothy and you think about who she is, and you think about something to thank her for, you don't have much time to be upset with your girlfriend, Linda, or your, you know, your neighbor, Jim, or whatever, that ticked you off with just cause. I mean, absolutely, they were in the wrong and you were in the right. We, we accept that. But if you spend time trying to figure out how you can thank Abby for being able to get on the phone and text you know, to the speaker the next morning, at 9.30 at night, if you can be the girlfriend or boyfriend or acquaintance at school who goes and sits with the lonely kid, if you can be the mom or dad who welcomes into your home the other kids who struggle and their parents are fighting, if you can be them and be thankful for that one and tell them so and find good things about them, it changes you and it changes, it changes them and it changes you. You become a stronger disciple if you become like the one and not like the nine. So I have a challenge for you. 
As I conclude this morning, I guess what I would ask you to do is I would ask you to be intentional. If you become an intentional Christian in the next two weeks, try to find people, find three or four or five opportunities to thank somebody. Thank a friend for doing your homework for you. Oh, no, maybe not that. (laughs) But thank a friend for being there when you call. Thank a workmate for how they help your team. Thank Abby for the work she does with music and Dorothy the things she does with seniors and Pastor Rick for having more energy than he should be allowed at his age. If you are thankful and you're looking for ways to be thankful, you don't have time to have a pity party. And you know what happens? A strange thing happens. It changes you and God just pours the blessings out on you because he wants you to be a blessings to others. Be a blessing to others. Be the one, not the nine. And may you forever be changed into a child of thankfulness because you're a child of the King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have indeed done great things among us. You have saved us. You have renewed us. You have blessed us. You have given us so much. Lord, help us to find a way to be thankful. And over these next two weeks, may we especially be intentional. May we look for things to be thankful for. And Lord, you'll fill our lives with blessings so that we can not only say the gospel, we can be the gospel. Euangelion means to be good news. And Lord, we would be that. The word for evangelism, Lord, euangelion, let us be and speak good news to all that see us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.